Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where stupid is as stupid does, and it does. <laughs> I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1994 cinematic classic, Forrest Gump. Uh, Bob! <laughs> Bob! Yeah, Bob Zemeckis Zemeckis, is back. we love you! <laughs> he was here not that long ago. He was here a month ago. Yeah, like, <laughs> it just, oh, it feels like yesterday to me. Oh my goodness, Carrie, this movie. I know. This movie. There's so much to love about this movie. There's so much to not love about this movie. There's so much to talk about. And the fact is, guys, we're not gonna get to all of it. We're going to try and take the Wizard of Oz approach to this film. Yeah, you've seen it. You've seen it. And if you haven't, well, get watching. Yeah, get <laughs> Get streaming. It's one of the most popular films of all time. Mm-hmm. So we should not have to handhold you through this. This is why Tom Hanks is America's sweetheart. It is. It really is. Because it wasn't Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, no. Which came out the, the same year. Before we get started, as always, please go over to Twitter and check us out at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, and retweet, guys. We want everyone to come and join this little watch party. Ross, tell them about the Patreon. Guys, I don't know if you knew this, but there has never been a better time to give a your money. <laughs> because guys, for just $5 a month, you too can be a little onion contributor at the $5 level on our Patreon. Guys, we got all of our bonus coverage over there, all of our television coverage, all of our stuff outside main feed. Maybe we're just shooting the shit. Maybe we've watched something. Maybe we're telling you what we're watching, you know? And we've got new long form coverage coming this year, guys. It's going to be great. Yeah, guys, we just started covering uh, The Office. And of course, we're not going to do the whole series, but we are going to do a couple of episodes about the show and then also cover a couple of our favorite episodes. So, and guys, <laughs> if you want access to our whole catalog of main feed goodness, all of our free shit, you go on over to our Podbean page. There you can get a custom RSS link and listen in any player of your choosing. You can also listen to it on Podbean. Just saying. <laughs> we love you, Podbean. All right. Who's ready to float like a feather on the wind? Hmm. <laughs> no. I know. We're going to be sitting here. We are. We are. Again. I, I, I do love this movie. I'm not hating it. I just. It's too long. It's nine o'clock. It is. <laughs> it's way too long and it's already nine o'clock. So. Hello. My name's Forrest. Forrest Gump. Would you like a chocolate? Oh, thank you. It's funny what a young man recollects. You're the same as everybody else. You are no different. Your boy's different. Are you stupid or something? I'm as stupid as a stupid does. I'm Jenny. I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. She was my most special friend. My only friend. We was together all the time. We were like peas and carrots, Jenny and I. believe it if I told you, but I can run like the wind blows. Who in the hell is that? And there's false gump, coach. Just a local idiot. I never thought it would take me anywhere. For some reason, what I was doing seemed to make sense to people. Forget about me! Get yourself out! I've been awarded the Medal of Honor. How come? Now, my mama's always telling me how miracles happen every day. <laughs> some people don't think so. Jenny! But they do. You can come home with me at my house in Greenbow. I'll take care of you. Why are you so good to me? You're my girl. Paramount Pictures presents 
Tom Hanks. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Robin Wright. Will you marry me? I'd make a good husband, Jenny. You would, Forrest. But you won't marry me. Gary Sinise. I never thanked you for saving my life. And Sally Field. My boy Forrest is gonna get the same opportunities as everyone else. A film by Robert Zemeckis. What's my destiny, Mom? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. seem the same once you've seen it through the eyes of Forrest Gump. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. All right. Hey, Bob. What's <laughs> up, dude? Thanks for being back with us this week. Oh, my God. Guys, we have done our fair share of Zemeckis. We just have. We did Who Framed Roger Rabbit last month. Mm-hmm. Don't forget when we did the Polar Express at Christmas time. So we have officially done some zemeckis as in plural. I... <laughs> zemeckis And who can forget about the animated classic Monster House? <laughs> That has to, we have to do that soon. Maybe, maybe for October this year. If that's the mouth and that's the teeth, maybe that's the uvula. Oh, oh so, so it's, it's a, a girl, girl house. house. <laughs> what? No, everyone has a uvula. <laughs> Guys, you know Zemeckis from Back to the Future. And, I mean, you know, he always uses Alan Silvestri to do his scores. And uh-huh. Alan is, of course, back with us this week. This whole this whole wonderful classic that we're just breaking down for you here today, it is based off of a novel from 1986 by Winston Groom. This is definitely his biggest thing. Um, and the movie is also a great departure from the original book. Like, there are some pretty significant differences. We don't have time to get into all of it. But because of the success of the movie, he actually wrote a sequel. <laughs> oh, no. Called Gump and Co. Oh, Gump and Co. I know, I know. And basically, guys, the novel, I mean, it's the same basic principle as the film. Forrest Gump, our title character, is regaling the reader with stories from his very colorful life. Yeah. And Forrest Gump, the character, he's not like everyone else. Mm -mm. But the thing is that the story, the whole narrative really wants you to get here is that he is just like everybody else. He's different. Yeah, he may have an IQ of 75. Yeah. But he does experience the world in a lot of ways that we can all relate to. Exactly. He just does it a little bit more out loud. Yeah. And a little (laughs) bit more directly. There is no filter. No. There is no filter with Forrest Gump. The point is, there's nothing wrong with Forrest. Really? No. And that is what all of these side characters in this narrative would have you believe? Mm -hmm. What's the common accusation? here that he's stupid and he's not and guys people with low iqs aren't necessarily stupid like that is something that i want to dissuade you of they just have a completely different way of relating to the world than the average person Mm -hmm. and i again i think it bears repeating that 
even people with high IQs can be incredibly moronic. Uh, like, like, period. <laughs> yeah, no. Period. Like. So, yeah, no. The thing is about this movie is, of course, I loved it when I was young. It wasn't until I got to college that a professor did offer up a different interpretation of this movie. She was not a big fan of this movie because this was happening a lot in the 90s and early aughts. Stories and movies about people who were developmentally delayed, who lived otherwise extraordinary existences, and she used a different word, which I will not repeat, but her basic sentiment was that movies like Forrest Gump or like Rudy or like Waterboy were radio radio like basically oh maybe I'm thinking of radio instead of Rudy yeah no you are because Rudy (laughs) is with Sean Astin where he's the football player anyway 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 her sentiment again I'm not going to repeat the word but her sentiment was basically oh look what wonderful pets the developmentally delayed make yeah and I really don't feel like that's the spirit here well of course it's not the spirit however in the execution we cannot deny that it can come off that way. I mean, sure it can come off that way, but I feel like we're taught to love him more as viewers than we are to tokenize him. Oh, we are always taught to love them in the narrative. It doesn't mean that stories like that, not necessarily with Forrest Gump specifically, but it doesn't mean that narratives like that cannot reduce them to, um, let's say, uh, sentient props. Yeah, but I don't feel like it does that at all. Okay, all right, that's fine. That's okay. It's not that I. It's not that I agree or disagree. It's that I'm just trying to provide both sides of the argument. I mean, plenty of consumers would disagree. You know, a six hundred and twenty-three million dollar profit. <laughs> it is the um, second highest grossing film of nineteen ninety-four behind. Can you guess what it is? Nineteen ninety-four. Oh God. The Lion King. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say, but I, I wasn't sure. The soundtrack for this movie? <laughs> the soundtrack for this movie. I want to see the copyright budget. <laughs> yeah, no, it must have been expensive. There's so many well-known songs throughout this soundtrack, and the soundtrack sold over 12 million copies. Which is crazy, because all those songs already existed. I know, but they're all compiled into one nice <laughs> album. No, remember what Ben Wyatt says. A movie soundtrack is like a director making you a mixtape. I want to hang out with him so bad, <laughs> but he's fictional and I can't do it. How much to hire what's his balls? Adam, Adam Scott. Adam Scott to just be Ben Wyatt around me. Won six Oscars. Yeah, it did. Six, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Tom Hanks, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Visual Effects, and Best Film Editing. Let's talk about those things for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, it is quite a feat for 1994, some of the things they've done here. Uh, most notably, um, <laughs> making uh, making Gary Sinise paraplegic. Yeah. And uh, editing Tom Hanks into a bunch of historic footage, or more... How should I say, rewriting history on film? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I mean, because that's the thing about Forrest Gump. Through his life, he has been party to several uh, big historical happenings and has also influenced them 
in certain ways. Isn't that crazy? He has influenced so many different cultural moments in American history from, I guess, the late 1950s to the mid-1980s. And there's so many of them, we're not going to have time to talk about all of them. Really? Yes, really. Are you sure? We are going to hit the major ones, Ross. All the ones with the presidents we're going to talk about. (laughs) I promise. I promise. Oh my goodness. Folks, you might have guessed it, but we've got names. You know him. You love him. (laughs) We stan him on this podcast. America's national treasure and the reason that the global pandemic is over. Stop. Please welcome back (laughs) to Kicking and Streaming, uh, Mr. Tom Hanks. He's been with us several times as uh, through our Kicking and Streaming coverages. Obviously, Bob Zemeckis loves him. He does. He does. He was with us in Polar Express. He was with us when we did Toy Story. He was with us when we covered A League of Their Own. He was with us when we covered Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, man. He's been with us many times. Uh, Philadelphia, Catch Me If You Can, Saving Private Ryan. I want to see The Post. I haven't seen The Post. I haven't either, actually. Bridge of Spies. I mean, he's a a Ron Howard fave. He's a Nora Ephron fave. (laughs) And he's a Bob Zemeckis fave. This and Philadelphia, like, they just made a superstar out of him. He Mm -hmm. was already known, of course, by this time. Mm -hmm. But, like, he won Best Actor at the Oscars two years in a row. (laughs) Oh, shit. For Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. Like and, and he's so humble about it. I know. He's such a <laughs> such a well-rounded individual and he has all this fame and money. And I'm like, how does it not go to your head? How are you and Rita just not assholes, Tom? Like oh no, I do love the clip where the reporters are swamping him and Rita. Yeah. And one of them gets a little too close to his wife. Yeah, and he's like He turns around and loses his mind he on goes them. Full forest on them. <laughs> That is my wife! He is t- they are touching his girl. <laughs> whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Stop it! What are you doing? Back the f off! What are y'all doing? What do you want? Do you want Knock it over my wife! Yeah, they're bugging. Sorry, sorry about Portraying Jenny Curran. Curran? I think it's Curran, but whatever. Jenny, who, you know. Force girl. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Robin Wright. Please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming. She was with us when we covered The Princess Bride, because she's Princess Buttercup, famously. She's your fave on House of Cards. There's just something about Claire Underwood, man. (laughs) She's fucking evil but it's the whole ju- we don't have time i'm sorry i'm gonna it's, it's it's just the whole thing with claire being evil but like there's a little bit of humanity in her and it's the constant tug of war between her being a human and being what she air quote needs to be anyway robin wright is amazing she's in the girl with the dragon tattoo Moneyball. we know her from unbreakable um obviously this and she actually you know she's on ozark She's not. I'm sorry. You know she directed episodes of Ozark. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. We love her. We we love you, Robin. Welcome back. And might I just say that uh, Michael Connor Humphreys and Hannah R. Hall portray the younger versions of Forrest and Jenny, respectively. Oh, they definitely bear mentioning. Yeah, what a couple of great kid actors. They are great. They do such a good job um, as Lieutenant Dan Taylor. <laughs> One of my favorite characters. Forrest's commanding officer in the U- in the U.S. Armed Forces. We have Gary Sinise. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Grapes of Wrath. Is he in Apollo 13? I can't remember. He is in both Apollo 13 and the Green Mile with Tom Hanks. Oh, so they're buddies. Yeah, they are buddies. <laughs> you will also know him from the film adaptation of Of Mice and Men. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
indeed. We do like we we do like him. Oh God, he was George Wallace in George Wallace. Oh no! Yeah. Oh yeah, the fucker from this movie and from history. Oh no! I know. I wish he would have died. <laughs> Ross. I'm so, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't just be a segregationist for forty years and then go. I'm sorry. I was wrong about all of that. I got shot and it taught me that. Fuck you move on anyway okay so as benjamin buford blue or otherwise known as bubba mm-hmm. we've got mckelty williamson hey yeah you'll know him from this and you'll know him from 12 angry men from 1997 mm-hmm. Ooh, justified boomtown 24 oh he's in fences with denzel washington oh that's nice which is something that we must see and still have not viola and denzel yeah no seriously like come on also the purge oh no <laughs> yeah oh my god he's in fucking free willy <laughs> And Black Dynamite! <laughs> Bubba, we love you. I love Black Dynamite! McKelty, thanks for being here. Uh, please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming. She doesn't have a name. Her name's just Mrs. Gump. <laughs> As Forrest's mother, we have the lovely and charming Sally Field. The lovely and disconcerting Sally Field. It's so funny because Tom Hanks and Sally Field have definitely played each other's love interests prior to this. And now they're mother and son. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a little funny, but I get it. Guys, she's Gidget. She's yeah. the flying fucking nun. <laughs> she's Sybil. <laughs> that is a Patreon coverage right there. It is. She's Norma Ray. Oh, man. She's, she was with us when we covered Mrs. Doubtfire. She was with us when we covered Steel Magnolias. Please welcome to Kicking and Streaming, I believe for the very first time. This is also his debut role <gasps> as Forrest Gump Jr. We have Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> Fresh Haley Joel Osment. He's so little. He's so small. He's six. I know. Bob Zemeckis saw him in a Pizza Hut commercial (laughs) and was like, I want that kid. That's just loaded with cute. Get that on my set immediately. He does have this Macaulay Culkin quality to him where- It's the little adults. Yeah, he's a little adult. And Macaulay Culkin, Haley Joel Osment, Mara Wilson, they're all just little adults. Like- (laughs) And we can't get Dakota Fanning. Like, we cannot get enough of it. Honorable mentions here. We've got Dick Cavett as himself. <laughs> yeah. Guys, the whole thing is we're getting historical figures throughout this entire narrative. Dick Cavett is the only one that comes back to play himself. He is one of the only ones that's still alive. He's just airbrushed for Christ. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Special effects on this are great. Uh, and I will also mention, because she's been with us before, the bus driver, Dorothy Harris. <gasps> Shabon something Shabon or other. Shabon Fallon Hogan. She was with us when we covered Holes. Yeah, she yeah, because she's <laughs> Mrs. Yalnet. <laughs> she's Stanley's mom. Yeah, indeed. All right, Carrie, put the keys in the ignition. <laughs> it's time to go. It is. Again, guys, this movie is very long. We are definitely going to be paring down some parts of it because we want to get to the real meat and potatoes of the story. But it's classic. It is a classic, which is why I know you've all, most of you've seen it already. Like, (laughs) it's okay. I promise. It's still going to be a good time. (sighs) All right. This movie famously begins with the shot of the feather 
floating on the air in Savannah, Georgia. It's one of the longest special effects shots at the time. Okay, no, because I was wondering about this. I was like, this has got to be special effects, right? It is. And it obviously is (laughs) once you get a better look at it. And I was like, wow, they're really following this feather around really closely. And I was like... Well, you can see the reflection of it in the windshield of the car it goes over. Yeah. You can see the reflection of it in the paint of the car as it goes over it. Yeah. That was somebody's job. And I hope they got paid handsomely. (laughs) Yeah. of this narrative is the idea of fate versus chance, right? Just like the feather. No wonder I cried so much while watching this again. Like, are we all floating out there in the randomness or is there some meaning to this randomness that we're all experiencing, right? Mm -hmm. And that is symbolized through the feather. And the feather floats down through the sky and lands at the feet of Forrest Gump, who is waiting at a bus stop. For reasons we won't get until the last act. Yeah, no, seriously. (laughs) He spends this entire movie in the present, sitting at this bus stop, waiting for a bus, telling other people who are sitting next to him on the bench about his life. Uh, Mainly three different people, um, a maid, a businessman, and an old lady. Yeah, no, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. And again, Forrest famously possesses an IQ of 75, which places him at a different level of experience than other people, which in turn causes almost everybody to underestimate his abilities. What are you, stupid or something? Exactly. Drink every time someone says that exact line. It's not that he's stupid or that he has the mind of a child, but his ability to perceive and process the world is just different from you and I. Yes. He relates to people differently, but he's generally friendly and thoughtful while also being a prolific talker. He's funny as fuck. <laughs> he and is. He doesn't, it's just him being him. He he's is. not even trying to be funny. I know. Like, he doesn't know how. Like, <laughs> this woman sits down on the bench next to him and he starts in talking to her about his life. Poor lady. I know. She's trying to read her magazine. Her Wait. feet hurt. She's trying to go home. Mom always said there's an awful lot you can tell about a person by their shoes. Where they go. Where they've been. I've worn lots of shoes. I bet if I think about it real hard, I could remember my first pair of shoes. And we go all the way back to 1956, to Greenbow, Alabama, where Forrest grew up, right? Uh Forrest was born with a curved spine, so from a young age, he had to wear fitted braces on his legs to help correct that. That's just another, you know, trial and tribulation we can add on top of his entire life. I love it when his Alabama doctor says he's more crooked than a politician. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The accents in this are just God tier, because I know none of these people that are in this, save the two kid actors... Uh-huh. That are Forrest and Jenny. None of them are from Alabama. Exactly. Tom Hanks says he actually perfected his accent from mimicking this kid actor. Which makes entire sense, right? Because he's actually from Alabama. Like, he is that kid. That kid is not him, right? That- oh, like, like, Glor- like Gloria... 
like Gloria Stewart on Titanic. She's like, I wanted to meet Kate Winslet because after all, I'm playing her. She's not playing me. Exactly. Forrest was raised by his mother, who does not get a first name. It's just Mama or Mrs. Gump. I think presumably Forrest's father ran off when he was very young. And did not come back. Yeah, she explains it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she doesn't explain it. She gives like a childlike explanation for it. What else are you going to do? Like She describes Forrest's dad as being on vacation. Yeah. And she says that vacation is when you go somewhere and you don't come back. If only that were the reality of it, Mrs. Gump. Yeah. And like, listen, Mrs. Gump is a beloved character from this movie because where other people would underestimate and limit Forrest by their perception of him, she not only loves Forrest unconditionally, but she encourages him to live beyond Beyond his disabilities and tries to empower him, right? Mm-hmm. What are y'all staring at? Haven't you ever seen a little boy with braces on his legs before? Don't ever let anybody tell you they're better than you, Forrest. If God intended everybody to be the same, he'd have given us all braces on our legs. Mom always had a way of explaining things so I could understand them. Oh, yeah, him and his poor legs. Like, uh, <laughs> like he's already feels different enough. Now he's super different from all the other kids. Mm-hmm. Don't ever let anyone tell you that they're better than you, Forrest. And I'm like, God, I wish someone had told me that I know. when I was that young. Mrs. Gump runs a boarding house out of their family home. Oh, down... their plantation home? Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. Since you brought up the plantation home, I'm also going to bring up this aspect of the plot that I really don't hear anybody else talk about ever, which is it's that... like the first thing he starts talking about because what does he always say when he meets someone? I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. He always, it's like James, James. it's like Bond, James Bond. I'm Bond, James Bond. I, I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. And yeah. Forrest is proud to tell us that his mama named him after the founder of the Ku Klux Klan, Nathan Bedford Forrest. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, that was always kind of lost on me. I'm like, Mrs. Gump, what are you doing? And the thing is, is I was ready to come down hard on Mrs. Gump about that. But but no, what, what do we get? The explanation for that is, is that Mrs. Gump named him that so that he would understand that sometimes people did things That just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Kind of like the Ku Klux Klan. Or Forrest. Or Forrest. (laughs) You're goddamn right. You're goddamn right. Um, uh, Like I said, Mrs. Gump runs a boarding house. And this brings us to one of our favorite aspects of this movie, which is that Forrest is just always unwittingly meeting famous people. No, apparently Forrest Gump influenced a great deal of American pop culture. (laughs) Because, Ross, who was one of their boarders when he's like six years old? Elvis fucking Presley. (laughs) Which is funny because of Tom Hanks being in the Elvis movie. Yeah, it is. I I mean, it's already funny. Like, it, like her calling everyone out for dinner, and then she's like, where the fuck is Forrest? And he is in one of the rooms with Elvis, and Elvis is like, show me that crazy leg thing you did again with your braces, because he's, his, his, he's playing his guitar, and it's the hound dog shaking your legs thing. Like, And then he sees him doing it on television, like, weeks later. Yeah, I know. He, he created a <laughs> pop culture moment. This, this this little kid from Alabama. And like, it, it will definitely not be the last time it happens. No, it's certainly not. And I love the way that... Every time he tells us that he influenced someone famous, he always tells you how it ended up for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some years later, that handsome young man who they called the king, well, he sung too many songs. 
had himself a heart attack or something. Must be hard being a king. One of the other people in Forrest's young life who loves him unconditionally is the... Well, okay, fine. (laughs) I I I think there's some conditions, Carrie. Well, I know why you went... (laughs) But at least for now, let's call her the little love of his life, Jenny Curran, right? Who he meets on the school bus. Yeah, she's the only person who will let him sit next to her on the school bus on the first day of school. I've got to tell you something. Children are cruel. But Alabama children are extra cruel. Are extra evil. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Their parents usually are extra evil. <laughs> next to Mama, no one ever talked to me or asked me questions. Are you stupid or something? Mama says stupid is as stupid does. I'm Jenny. I'm forced, forced to up. From that day on, we was always together. Jenny and me was like peas and carrots. I love their little friendship to start out because both of them need each other in a real way. Like, Forrest needs her so he can actually have a friend his own age and not develop a Norman Bates type of attachment to his own mother. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) Period. And Jenny, unfortunately, needs Forrest to escape from her horrible childhood existence in the care of her deeply alcoholic and oh, sexually abusive father. Ah, uh, Alabama, home of the child rapist. Oh, no! Mm. But we'll unfortunately come back to that. And Jenny, just like Mama, empowers Forrest in the exact same way. There are no limits for him as far as she's concerned. And this deep childhood bond that forms between the two of them is conditioning Forrest to, for the rest of his life, want to protect Jenny. Yeah. I mean, God, I couldn't understand how you wouldn't. I mean, he, I mean, hey, he, he protects those. You can say anything you want about the character Forrest Gump. He is loyal. Yeah. He is a loyal person. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, hey, it's, it all goes back to the conversation of respect. I think respect is something that is earned. I don't think it's something that should be outright given. Right. You know? And in the same way, Jenny protects him from other people, like all the bullies who want to, you know, smear Forrest in the middle of the road. Like that scene where the boys are throwing rocks at him and she just tells him outright, run, Forrest, run. He's got braces on his legs, guys. His ability to run is limited. This is a great moment, though, in the movie. This, Ross, I love this moment, because he's running away from these boys on bikes, and he's just swinging his legs out from side to side. He can't really bend his knees, and then slowly as he's running, those braces start to break and come off his legs, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we are at full tilt. Now, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. But I can run like the wind blows. From that day on, if I was going somewhere, I was running. (laughs) I love him! I love him so much. Protect Forrest at all costs! Protect Tom Hanks at all costs. I mean, yeah, basically. They go hand in hand. So I hate that we have to pivot back to Jenny's awful home life, but one day Jenny doesn't show up for school. And after the bus drops him off, Forrest runs over to Jenny's house 
and finds her hiding in her father's field. Her father is drunk again, predating on her again. Mm -hmm. She looks rough when he gets to her, right? This is profoundly upsetting. It is. This scene always gets me because this is just the worst kind of hell for a child. You have no recourse to get away from an alcoholic, sexually abusive parent. She would rather be anywhere but there. And she and Forrest are running through the field and she has Forrest drop to the ground with her and pray that God will take her away from here. Pray with me, Forrest. Pray with me. Dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far, far away from here. Dear God, make me a bird. So, like, I think this establishes this very interesting juxtaposition between these two characters, which is that Forrest, who has all of this shit thrown at him for his low IQ, when actually a lot of the shit that affects him negatively doesn't stay there for a long time for him. Mm -hmm. He's able to let shit mostly roll off his shoulders a lot of the time. Water off a duck's back. And like just like he can move on from these kinds of things. (laughs) Jenny, on the other hand, a lot of the movie is him experiencing like secondhand experiencing her anguish Mm -hmm. and not really knowing how to help her. I just think it's interesting. It is interesting. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting dynamic. We get a little time jump to high school. Forrest and Jenny are still the best of friends. Forrest's incredible ability to run has drawn the attention of the football coach, who is practically salivating when Forrest cuts through football practice to get away from some bullies, which eventually leads to Forrest getting a full college ride on scholarship to the University of Alabama. To study what? We have no idea. But <laughs> He's there to play football. Yeah, he's there to play football. <laughs> Even though he's in college, Jenny and Forrest are still close. He visits her at her all-girls college, often interfering with her love life, with the best of intentions, because as will become a repeating theme throughout, Jenny has pretty shit taste in men. Mm -hmm. And whenever they start abusing her, Forrest is never shy about stepping in, right? Mm -hmm. And also now that they're older, you know, Jenny is always talking about her dreams of being famous, being a singer, connecting with an audience, and being a real artist. And I don't blame her. The 60s were such a ripe, turbulent time for artists. That was the birth of a lot of amazing art that we continue to study today. Like, I almost wish I was alive in those times for that reason, but also, no thank you. You and I would have started the 60s out really strong, but I have a feeling that it would not have gone well for us in the end. Yeah, I'm also inclined to agree. And I mean, like when she's like, Do you have a dream for us? Who are you going to be? Who I'm going to be? Aren't I going to be me? Well, you'll always be you, just another kind of you. You know, I want to be famous. I want to be a singer like Joan Baez. Also, guys, we're hard skipping on the premature ejaculation bit. Uh, She wanted to let him try something and he didn't like it that well. We moved on. (laughs) Go watch the movie. You ever been with a girl for us? Anyway, sorry, sorry. With her roommate in the room? You said we were skipping. We're going on. (laughs) 
Continuing with the pageant of famous people, because Forrest's football team has gone All-American, they get to meet the President of the United States. Wham, wham, wham. Which is who at the time, Ross? We spend so much money on sports ball. JFK. <laughs> Listen, this scene is cool because obviously they've cropped Tom Hanks into real archival footage of JFK shaking hands with football players, but like the mouth morphing in this scene to make the president's lips match the dubbed lines is not as good as other scenes. And the dubbed actor for JFK doesn't sound like him at all. Yeah, whoever's doing this JFK impression needed a couple more hours of workshop. I mean, I don't know about at all, but like, it's just not JFK. It's not JFK. Yeah. Absolutely not. Congratulations. How does it feel to be an All-American? Very good, sir. Congratulations. How do you feel? I got to pay. <laughs> I believe he said he had to go pee. So now we cut to 1966. Forrest eventually earns a college degree. And after graduation, he is recruited to join the Army. Immediately. Like, in his graduation garb. <laughs> and which, like, yeah, that's honorable, but in hindsight, unadvisable at the time. Because, Ross, what is starting to heat up right about now? The Vietnam War. One thing I never hear people talk about as a repeating element in this plot is the significance of buses. Yeah, there's always a bus when we're going through a major plot point. He spends most of this movie in the present at a bus stop. He first meets Jenny on the school bus, and now he's about to meet another significant person in his life on the bus to basic training in the army. It's just like the school time, right? (laughs) No one wants to sit next to him. Seat's taken. Oh, no. Seat's taken. Can't sit here. Except for a young black man named, oh, no, I forget his full name. Benjamin Buford Blue. BBB. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba. People call him Bubba. He is from where? Bayou Labatry, Alabama. That is right. It sounds beautiful, honestly. And he is a connoisseur of what, Carrie? Shrimp. <laughs> All things shrimp. Bubba Blue knows everything there is to know about the shrimp in business. You think Forrest is a talker? Like, Bubba might be his only match on that because, again, Bubba's one great love in life is shrimping, and his whole life goal is to buy a shrimping boat and to have his own fishing operation, and he can go on and on and on and on about shrimp. Guys, when I came over to do this recording, do you know what Carrie was eating when I walked in the door? <laughs> I was eating shrimp on a skewer. Yeah, you were eating a shrimp kebab. Like I was. It, it was. It was a nice little trivia, I think, <laughs> to the uh, source material. Absolutely. Anyway, like I was saying, shrimp is the fruit of the sea. You can barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it, saute it. There's on um, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried. There's pineapple shrimp. Lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp. And because Forrest is Forrest, he's more than willing to let Bubba go on and on and on and on and on about the shrimp. He's such a good listener. And all of the meaningful attachments in his life are all initiated by other people. Mm -hmm. Every time he tries to initiate a connection with someone, they're like, you're weird and unsettling and stupid and you talk too much. But like, I just... The moment he can be something for them, yeah, it becomes more significant. I think it's just a testament to how the real ones, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. the rider dies in your life, are always willing to engage you. Forrest does really well in the army because unlike a lot of men his age, he doesn't really have an ego 
or a problem with authority. He's also, I'm sorry, low IQ or not, he's the kind of autistic that makes you a genius. Yeah, like he he assembles weapons faster than anybody else in basic training. He is, he is his drill sergeant's favorite recruit. He is. And like, guys, I'm sorry to tell you, we're all on the spectrum. Yeah. It just depends on where you're at. Like, if you think that that's something that's separate from you, you're not. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> While he's on furlough in Memphis, Tennessee, Forrest goes to visit Jenny. She's been recently thrown out of her private girls' college because she posed for Playboy in her letter sweater. Which, I mean, that was dumb, Jenny. I'm sorry. But at the same time, I, I do have, let women do what they want to do. I do have in parentheses, go Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. And he's excited to go see her because she's playing at a theater in a show as a singer, right? Mm-hmm. And he's excited for her. That's what she always wanted to do was be a singer. But here's the thing. <laughs> it's not exactly the Grand old Opry. <laughs> it is not, no. <laughs> this is a burlesque show. And Jenny is still trying to shoot her shot under the name Bobby Dylan. That's actually amazing. <laughs> and the fact that she's literally... She, Robin Wright is in nothing but high heels. <laughs> Jenny's tiny, hottie body is completely covered by the guitar, and she's just singing in the nude. Yeah, she's singing, I think, I don't remember what this song is called. How many rows must a man walk down? It's Robin Wright, too. She's singing it. Yeah. She actually does her own singing. How many rows must a man walk down before you can call him a man? Yes, and how many seas must the white dove sail before drain had come true. she sleeps in the sand? She was a folk singer. And Forrest is in his best. He's mm-hmm. in full uniform. He's going to see his girl. Mm-hmm. He's got to look good, right? And all the men are trying to get her to move the guitar and show them what they came to see. Yeah. And they start getting grabby. Prompting Forrest to throw hands. Quite literally. And instead of saying thanks for handling them, Jenny's upset because Forrest is always trying to rescue her. And while I'm a little bit on her side in that regard, it's like she thinks he's doing it on purpose, like to sabotage her or something. It's one of the only things he knows is how to protect Jenny. Yeah. I don't mean like knows how to do. I just mean I think he knows how to do it best. You can't keep doing this, Forrest. You can't keep trying to rescue me all the time. They was trying to grab you. A lot of people try to grab me. Just You can't keep doing this all the time. I can't help it. I loved you. Forrest, you don't know what love is. Okay, big assumption there. It is. Jennifer. Jennifer. (laughs) You know what? That's what I'm going to call her when she's being (laughs) (laughs) tea. Jennifer. Jennifer, yeah. And the thing is, is that it's not just that Jenny is struggling with her career. She's struggling mentally. It's clear in this scene that she's having some kind of suicidal ideation. I mean, yeah, her life was interrupted. Yeah, and like the way she is ready to run away from her entire existence at the drop of a hat. Oh, when she's like, when they go, when they're going over the bridge and she's like, you think I could jump off this bridge? I'm like, yeah, I think you can, but like, please don't. Yeah, like, please don't. And the way she just gets in a car. Yeah, she's about to hit. 
hitch a ride just to get away from this situation. And that's when Forrest tells her that he's being sent to Vietnam. Yeah, he's... Oh, I, oh, <laughs> I know. Bye-bye, Jen. She literally was just like, stay away from me. I'm not your cause. Don't contact me anymore. And he's like, okay, bye-bye. I'm Bye-bye forever. I'm going to Vietnam. They sent me to Vietnam. It's this whole other country. Just hang on a minute. Soon you promise me something, okay? Just if you're ever in trouble, don't try to be brave. You just run, okay? Just run away. Okay. And then she just gets in the car with some stranger. Where are you going? I don't care. <gasps> oh my God. No wonder what? so many young women ended up dead on the side of the road. There is a person standing in front of her. Who loves her. Who loves her and wants to take care of her. And she's just going to get in a car with some idiot. And I know it's because she thinks she doesn't deserve it. I know. But like, come on. There is quite literally help standing in front of you. We cut to Bubba and Forrest reporting to Fort Platoon in the Mekong Delta region of Vietnam. That was good for you. Yeah, no, I, yeah, wow. <laughs> I did have to look it up. but <laughs> Because it's finally time to talk about Lieutenant Dan Taylor, Forrest and Bubba's commanding officer. Lieutenant Dan! <laughs> Lieutenant Dan is quite a character. The way Bubba is about shrimp, Lieutenant Dan is about being in the armed forces. There are two personalities. Shrimp... <laughs> And the military. Because it's, I don't know, a tradition in his family that a man from every generation has fought and died in every American war. And Lieutenant Dan feels like it's his destiny to die bravely in the Vietnam War. Wow, can't imagine that generational trauma. Woof. Wow, how do we get to a place there? Hmm. Lieutenant Dan sure knew his stuff. I felt real lucky he was my lieutenant. He was from a long, great military tradition. Somebody in his family had fought and died in every single American war. God damn it, kick some ass. I'm on it, Lieutenant. Get on it. I guess you could say he had a lot to live up to. We get a montage of the platoon's activities as they move through Vietnam, and the entire time, he and Bubba are thick as thieves looking out for each other. Like, Bubba thinks of him as his brother. Never had a brother before. Yeah, and like, to the point where Bubba, when they both get out of the army, wants Forrest to go with him into the shrimping business as his first mate. Okay, here's my thing. I'm sure that Forrest does actually want to do this with him, but <laughs> Bubba just kind of like is like gives him the idea, uh-huh. and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> he's like, "That does sound like a great idea." Yeah, it's like he's devoid of opinions. You know, like... He just loves Bubba. I know, yeah. <laughs> it's like when you looked at me two weeks ago and said, hey, we're going to get up at 5.30 in the morning on Saturday, May the 6th. To watch King Charles's fake job party, as John Oliver calls it? Yeah. Okay. And I said, well, that sounds nice. <laughs> I think we had fun. We did. Yeah. The whole time he's writing to Jenny to tell her about his experiences... But Jenny can't be bothered to read any of them because she's officially become a hippie in a VW bus and is living that 1960s nomad life. Like, she's just, she is out in it now. She's, she has completely left home. 
And one day, while on patrol, Forrest and Bubba's platoon is ambushed by enemy fire. And this scene is really harrowing, because there's a lot of special effects shots of young men being shot down, blown to pieces. It's really awful. And like Lieutenant Dan orders everyone to pull back and both him and Bubba tell Forrest to run. And Forrest does what he's told. He books it out of that jungle before realizing he's left everybody else behind. Well, he's the fastest. Yeah, I know. He's like, I realized I was all alone. I ran so fast, you know. And that's not a good thing. Mm -mm. He left Bubba behind, so... Forrest goes back in after Bubba, and, like, he keeps coming across injured person after injured person, all his platoon mates lying, bleeding to death in his path, and one by one, he carries them out of there. Yeah. He's not even aware, Ross, of how heroic his actions are. He's just doing what he knows is right. Yeah, this scene is very, very effective, not only to him as a character, but just to getting across to you the kind of horror that they're dealing with here. Like, yeah, that's just the thing about the Vietnam War is just the absolute blight. All war is blight, but the just particularly bad way this seeped into every crevice of American life, just a whole generation of young men dead and seeing brand new untold horrors um, having to kill children in a major way that had not been done in warfare before this time Mm -hmm. we have newly introduced chemical warfare and it's not necessarily new it's just the first instance of the kind of mass use of this type of these types of chemical warfare well if my father-in-law doesn't want to be maligned he should stop dropping napalm on children you're right kenny from madman you're right (laughs) the only person from the platoon who doesn't want to be rescued is you guessed it lieutenant dan because again he thinks it's his destiny to die in this conflict. He's being very Benjamin Guggenheim about this. He wants to go down with the ship. Like He's laying there bleeding out severe leg injuries, trying to call in a napalm strike to the area, and is actively trying to shove Forrest away. But Forrest just picks his ass up and carries him out of the jungle too. Is begging him all the way out of the jungle to leave him behind. It is my destiny to die here. I didn't ask you to pull me out of there, goddamn you. Where the hell you think you're going? I got an airstrike inbound right now. They're gonna nate the whole area. Don't you stay here, goddammit! That's an order! I gotta find Bubba! Tom Hanks! It's so effective! (laughs) And guys, he does finally find Bubba, and believe me, it's not good news. When Bubba's like, Forrest, it's me. I'm okay. He was not. He was not. Bubba, Bubba is barely alive with a big hole in his chest. And Forrest manages to pull him out of the jungle right as the airstrike is coming in. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. All said and done... He saved at least four men's lives, but he couldn't save Bubba because he's got Bubba on the bank of that river 
holding him as he dies. When he says in voiceover that if he had known that was the last time he was going to get to talk to Bubba, he would have come up with something better to say. Ross, I'm going to cry. I know. Because Bubba looks him in the eyes and says, Ross, why did this happen? You got shot. Then Bubba said something I won't ever forget. I want to go home. Bubba was my best good friend. And even I know that ain't something you can find just around the corner. Bubba was gonna be a shrimp and boat captain, but instead he died right there by that river in Vietnam. Fuck! <laughs> it's just so sad because, like you said, the war in Vietnam was so particularly horrific and was so wrong for so many reasons and so many good young men with hopes and dreams of the future died so needlessly and so violently. And even the young men who managed to make it back home came back in a lot worse shape than Forrest did. Yeah, and got treated like garbage. They did. They like, did. I'm sorry that they had to go do that, but, like, take care of them? Yeah. Anyway... And the only injury that Forrest sustained in that ambush was being shot in the buttocks. Yes. Yeah, by a stray bullet. But Lieutenant Dan wasn't so lucky. His injuries were so bad that he had to have both of his legs amputated at the knee. Which is the beginning of some amazing special effects shots. Gary Sinise spends the rest of this movie wearing blue knee socks that can be used to literally delete his legs from every frame. They literally erased, they painted out his legs in every single frame of the movie. It's crazy. That editor was stress blind at the end of this. I bet. And this is also the beginning of Lieutenant Dan really resenting Forrest for rescuing him. He believes he ruined his destiny. He believes he cheated him out of dying with honor. And now he feels like his identity has been completely taken from him. I had a destiny. I was supposed to die in the field with honor. That was my destiny. And you cheated me out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Gump? I was Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant Dan. No matter how bitter Lieutenant Dan becomes... Forrest always responds with kindness. He can't be pulled down in the mire with him. I'm sorry, I just want to mention when he's like, the best thing about being shut in the buttocks is the ice cream. <laughs> they let me have all the ice cream I wanted. And he has two cones. He got one for himself and one for Lieutenant Dan because he thinks they're friends. I know. And I like it. Lieutenant Dan, I got you some ice cream. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. And then Lieutenant Dan takes the cone dumps it in the bedpan. He's, de he's dead inside. He like, is. He's, and I get it. Like, I would be too. While Forrest is recovering from his injuries in the military hospital, he picks up an aptitude for ping pong, of all things, and slowly but surely becomes kind of a freak show with his ping pong abilities. Guys, they make him part of the special services. <laughs> yeah. The U.S. special services for his ping pong ability. And I love all of these scenes with the ping pong because a lot of it is achieved through CGI ping pong balls, 
but there are some shots that are achieved where they have professional ping pong players stand in for Tom, and then their movements are either cropped in or spliced with takes of him, and it's just, it's so great. Mm -hmm, It is. Forrest gets to meet another president when Lyndon Johnson awards him the Medal of Honor for his service in Vietnam. It is the highest military honor in the United States. And this archival footage clip is better because the mouth morphing is more precise. It's not that much better. (laughs) I'm sorry. Anyway. And I love it. He's shaking hands with Lyndon Johnson and the president asks him where he was wounded. And Forrest just innocently turns around and drops his pants to show him. That's the thing. He's like, where were you hit? In the buttocks, huh? Oh, that must be a sight. I'd kind of like to see that. He asked! He did! The president asked! And yes, in front of his mother, the nation, and God, and everyone, (laughs) he moons Lyndon B. Johnson, and honestly, I stand for us for that. Because fuck LBJ, like... I just love how it's all happening to Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, why... That's That was a weird placement. <laughs> I I don't get it. But uh, the way that um, Mrs. Gump is so overcome, she has to go back to the hotel and lay down for a little bit, which leaves Forrest open to explore the nation's capital. Yeah, while he's out sightseeing in Washington, D.C., he gets pulled into the March on the Pentagon. Yeah, no, the very, very famous incident in 1968. Abby Hoffman, who is portrayed here, it's obviously not Abby Hoffman. <laughs> they they casted someone to be the actual Abby Hoffman, but he is giving the big rally from that day in August 1968 at the Lincoln Memorial where they march over the bridge to the Pentagon. And like the the Washington Monument is right across the way, separated by the reflection pool. Did you know that this is, are you about to say the exact same thing that I am? About the special effects of the shot? Yes. Where most of the crowd is really in front of the reflection pool, uh-huh. and then the crowd goes on forever, but that That's just like crops of extras that have been repeated over and over again. Yes, very artfully, by the way. They'd take one picture, they'd take one, you know, shot of them, and then they'd have them all mix up, and then they'd (laughs) take another shot, and they'd just put it behind and behind and behind. And Abby Hoffman brings him right up on stage to say a few words about the war in Vietnam. Because he's in full uniform. Yeah. And he's also got a Medal of Honor on. Like, Mm -hmm. Well, there was only one thing I could say about the war in Vietnam. There's only one thing I can say about the war in Vietnam. In Vietnam, you're... But the thing is, is that when Forrest gets up to speak, this, I don't know, dissenting general goes over to where the AV cords are all plugged in. Starts unplugging everything. And the mic goes dead, and no one can hear what he's saying. And then by the time it gets plugged in... That's all I have to say about the war in Vietnam. Which, we do know what he said because of behind-the-scenes stuff. It was really just something to the effect of, sometimes men in Vietnam, they go to Vietnam, and then they don't come home. Aw. Yeah. Oh, fuck. What a very bleak way of putting it. And that's why Abby's like, you said it, man. You said everything that needed to be said. Very bleak and simple. But it's okay, because as soon as all the mic noise goes away... You hear Jenny's voice! Forrest! Jenny! We 
see Jenny, full hippie Jenny, yes. waning out into the reflecting pool to get towards him. Oh my god! It's a great moment. It he, is. he starts running through the crowd to get to her. He wades out into the middle of the reflecting pool and they hug. Everybody looking on is like, oh, this is a this guy is... reunited love. Like, yeah. And everybody goes crazy. So like you said, Jenny's a hippie now. She follows this group of Berkeley students around the country. It's the Students for the Democratic Society. It's SDS. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, they're all protesting the war. Uh, she is currently, as is her pattern, dating an incredibly abusive member of the Berkeley SDS. Hi, Wesley. Yeah, that's funny as shit if you've seen The Princess Bride, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Carrie. I know. Oh, my God. And uh, <laughs> I almost said Buttercup. Um, Jenny takes Forrest to a Black Panther meeting. Black Power. Yeah, Black Power. That's all I'm saying. Obviously. Uh, I don't think I would have been accepted. No. But... but you would have supported them. I would have. And, like, Wesley's pissed that Jenny brought Forrest because he feels in some small manhood way that it's making him look bad. And because this train is never late, he cracks her across the face. Whip, 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 Oh, Forrest goes berserk. Yeah, like, quite literally. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought you here. I should have known it was just going to be some bullshit hassle. They get thrown out of the Black they Panther li- meeting. They literally just get shown the door. Sorry, I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. <laughs> and so the pair of them walk around all night. She's telling him about her travels, taking magic mushrooms, panhandling, getting into both good and bad trouble. Mm-hmm. It's a nice night. It is a nice night. I am happy to be with you together in our nation's capital. <laughs> it is your ideal date, walking around the nation's I capital. I why you felt the need to at me like that <laughs> just now uh. and then the next morning comes and she needs to leave with the rest of the students and they're leaving on a bus we have another bus hi bus <laughs> you're back this bus is doing amazing costume changes <laughs> as if it's the same it's bus all the same bus wait a minute i forgot to say who played the bus in we've got names sorry stop it <laughs> And Wesley is trying to apologize to Jenny for hitting her. Things got out of hand. No, your hands got out of hand. Yeah, like... for real. And I think this is my favorite line in the movie because this is the most attitude Forrest ever gives anybody. Yeah, I know. You know what I think? I think you should go home to Greenbow, Alabama. <laughs> I don't get it. And, like, Forrest is trying to get her to stay, but of course she's not gonna. And Ross, he gives her his Medal of Honor! Oh, no, yeah, the way he takes it off, she goes, Forrest, I can't keep this. I got it. Just by doing what you told me to do. Why are you so good to me? You're my girl. I'll always be your girl. Oh, my Wait, God. Um, even after all of the both direct and indirect rejection, he still believes that 
she goes with him. Yeah. And will continue to believe it Aww. for the rest of his life. It's so Because much. she is his most special friend, as he likes to call her. Peas and carrots. Oh! I know! Bob! <laughs> Bob! Fast forwarding a bit here. Instead of going back to Vietnam, the army sends him on a tour of veteran hospitals playing ping pong for them because he's a freak show, right? Indeed. And they eventually send him to China where he plays against some of their best and comes home a national celebrity. He gets to go on Dick Cavett and talk about it where John Lennon is also a guest. That's probably the best archival footage bit, by it's the way. It's not, but... Whatever, we don't have to agree. The mouth, the mouth, the mouthing on John Lennon is so messy. Forrest inadvertently inspires John Lennon to write Imagine. I don't think that hits home very hard. Not I, unless you're hearing it in your head. I mean, I guess, but like... <laughs> this is where Lieutenant Dan comes back into Forrest's life because... <laughs> He's leaving the studio where Dick Cavett is taped in New York City and <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, who is now a vagabond, yeah. is just waiting for him on the ramp. He's pissed that Forrest was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. They gave you the Congressional Medal of Honor. Yes, sir, they surely did. They gave you an imbecile, a moron who goes on television and makes a fool out of himself in front of the whole damn country, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Yes, sir. And because he's a double amputee living in a hotel in Manhattan, he's not having a great life right now. He's kind of an alcoholic. He's just as surly as ever. And Forrest, despite all of that, elects to spend Christmas and New Year's with Lieutenant Dan. What a guy. Lieutenant Dan doesn't have anybody else. No, yeah. And of all things, though, Lieutenant Dan is most angry with, you guessed it, God. Yes. He can't stand how everybody in his life and at the VA is always trying to evangelize him towards God, right? Mm -hmm. He said, God is listening, but I have to help myself. Now, if I accept Jesus into my heart, I'll get to walk beside him in the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear what I said? Walk beside him in the kingdom of heaven. Well, kiss my crippled ass. God is listening. And, like, I really do love, by contrast, Forrest's presence in his world. Because even though he's not getting what he needs from God... Whether he wants it or not, he's getting that love from Forrest. And, you know, it's kind of the same juxtaposition as it is with, with Jenny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he's secondhand experiencing all of Lieutenant Dan's issues, and he can't really, he doesn't know what to do to help. It's just the being there yeah. for him, mm-hmm. you know? like, And it's not like he can offer a great amount of perspective, but, like, he is just a good influence without even trying. Mm-hmm. Forrest tells him about his plans to be a shrimp boat captain in order to make good on his promise to Bubba to be, you know, to go out and start his own operation. And Lieutenant Dan thinks that's real funny. And I'm like, come on, Dan. He's keeping a promise to a dead bestie. A shrimp boat captain. Yes, sir. A promise is a promise, Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) Now hear that. Private Guffer is going to be a shrimp boat captain. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Gilligan, the day that you are a shrimp boat captain, I will come and be your first mate. 
they spend New Year's in this dive bar together and while everybody is celebrating as the ball drops, everybody's all excited, Lieutenant Dan's just sitting in his wheelchair, nothing behind his eyes. This this is one of the parts that made me cry a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, it's just so sad. I think about it every single New Year's Eve. Dan feels like he has nothing. Yeah. And nobody anymore. <laughs> And it just made me tear up a little bit. It was like, God, he's trying, but it's not doing anything. And <laughs> I feel like that a lot. I know, sweetheart. Like, We're meeting another president because Forrest gets to meet President Nixon because he was on the ping pong this team. This was unnecessary. It, this whole thing. This one was like, I get it. We have to deal with Nixon in the timeline. <laughs> but like the whole thing is he's meeting Nixon because of the ping pong. Remember learning about detente? Yes. And, you know, the easing of tensions in Asia with <laughs> Nixon. And like, he's like, what hotel? Nixon's like, what hotel are you staying at here while you're here in Washington? And he's like, blah, 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 hotel. And like, he's like, oh, no, that's awful. I'll get you to a very nice hotel it's brilliant and which is the water game Ross here it is the famous fucking incident and <laughs> Forrest has moved into the water gate and he calls the desk I don't know in the middle of the night you might want to send a maintenance man over to that office across the way the lights are off and they must be looking for a fuse box or something because in flashlights they're keeping me awake guys he, he's outed the Watergate scandal he like, triggers the Watergate scandal I'm sorry I feel like it just was reaching <laughs> I was like this was unnecessary like, oh no you want to talk about unnecessary we can do this now instead of at the end because I'm not going to go into a lot of detail but they were planning on a sequel for this and one, oh, good God. What? One of the events that Forrest was going to famously witness was the low-speed Bronco chase on the L.A. highway between O.J. Simpson and LAPD. Please he, tell me he's running next to it. No, he, <laughs> he's in the back seat. He's in the back seat of the Bronco during that low-speed chase. And, like, they had I'm all... I'm so good. Oh, my God, because this came out, like, as that was happening. Yeah, I know. This movie came out literally in June 19. 19- which is when that happened. And they were pretty much done conceptualizing it. And you know what happened, Ross? What? 9-11. And then <laughs> everybody involved was like, wow, this uh, this kind of looks stupid. Yeah, no. In comparison to everything that's happening. Oh, my happening. God. Not the implication. Uh-huh. Did Forrest do 9-11? Stop. <laughs> no. What if he was on one of the planes? Stop. This is, you can't air this. <laughs> Uh, you can't. It's okay, because it didn't happen, so... 9-11? No! <laughs> the Forrest Gump sequel! Jesus Christ. Okay. Finally, in June of 1972, after his army service is up, Forrest gets to return to Greenbow, Alabama to see his mom for a bit before he goes to Biolabatry, Alabama, so he can visit Bubba's grave and introduce himself to his family. He's got a promise to keep. Yeah, he's really serious about this. Because he got some, he's just recently come into some money, right? Some endorsement money Yeah, his for mo- playing ping pong. Yeah, no, $25,000, actually. <laughs> and he's going to take all that money, and he buys an actual shrimping boat. And Ross... He calls the boat Jenny. Hey, you ever think my name is so bold? It's bad luck to have a boat without a name. 
I'd never named a boat before, but there was only one I could think of. The most beautiful name in the wide world. I can't. I, <laughs> I know. Get you someone like Forrest. Speaking of Jenny, she's getting the 70s started off typical by cooling her heels in Studio 54, which is fun. But she's incredibly addicted to heroin. Which is incredibly not fun. Yeah, that sequence... When she's higher than a Georgia pine on the balcony of that apartment building, trying to decide if she wants to jump off, and that whole sequence is set to Freebird. Freebird triggers my fight or flight, which is funny. (laughs) Like, I'm just like... Oh, Ross, Freebird. Literally. God, make me Me a bird bird so I can fly. Fly away or wave me here. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. But also that outfit. I'm sorry. I know she's (laughs) smacked. I'm sorry. I know she smacked it and not in a good way, but like, I, oof. that outfit though. She looks good. Like I'm just <laughs> like I'm just saying. So to start off with, Forrest isn't very good at shrimping. There's a lot of competition, and he's brand new to it. But and he's just catching garbage. Yeah, he's just catching like old shoes and tin cans. But luckily for him, he's gonna have some help because Lieutenant Dan has shown up in Biola Battery to help Forrest out. Just like he said he would. Yeah, I know. Forrest wrote and said, I've got the shrimping thing going. <laughs> I love how he comes up to him and <laughs> Lieutenant Dan goes, Thought I'd try out my sea legs. Well, you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. Yes, I know that. You wrote me a letter, you idiot. Well, well, Captain Forrest Gump. I had to see this for myself. <laughs> you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> I'm aware of that. I'm sorry. Are you talking about after he full-on abandons his ship? <laughs> he does. To get to Lieutenant Dan on the dock? He jumps right off the boat without docking and it. And that, do- oh, that ship completely crushes the dock behind them? <laughs> and listen, even between the two of them, they're not having much luck shrimping. Until one day, they were. Because Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are on the shrimping boat... When Hurricane Carmen hits the coast of Alabama, Forrest is manning the helm, doing everything in his power to keep this boat afloat. And Lieutenant Dan is in the crow's nest, shaking his fist at God and daring him to wipe them all out. You'll never sink this ship. <laughs> you call it the that the hurricane basically destroys all the other shrimping boats in Bayou Battery. So Forrest and Dan start making a killing in the shrimping industry because they're the only ones meeting the demand. I mean, it's kind of bad that this tragedy is their fortune, but like at the yeah. same time, I feel like that was, uh, I feel like it was all to do with Dan. I think God um, <laughs> took Dan up on his offer. I think God spared uh, the Jenny. Yeah, and it led to them starting their own company, Bubba Gump Shrimp. Bubba Gump Shrimp. Remember at King's Island, when it was Paramount King's Island, there was a Bubba Gump Shrimp restaurant. Indeed, indeed. They've got 12 boats, a big warehouse, their own merch. Bubba Gump Shrimp. It's a household name. Hold on there, boy. Are you telling me you're the owner of the Bubba Gump Shrimp Corporation? Yes, sir. We got more money than David Crockett. 
<laughs> Boy, I heard some whoppers in my time, but that tops them all. <laughs> the way he's just telling that guy on the bench that he is the CEO of Bubba Gump Incorporated, and the guy is not believing him. We were sitting with a millionaire, he tells that other old lady. <laughs> and the thing that's really nice about that whole experience is that Lieutenant Dan does end up making his peace with God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the trauma of the storm or the fact that he is now realizing that he is lucky. Well, he's he's richer than God now. Well, so. Yeah, that's also true. Uh-huh. But he does finally make his peace with God. Funny and, how money makes all your problems disappear. <laughs> oh, oh no. Forrest has to return home to Greenbow when he learns that his mama is sick. Yeah, Mrs. Gump is dying from cancer. And this is where things begin to get sad again, because Forrest has three things in life that he uses as a lens to look at the world. God, Jenny, and his mama. And now he's losing his mama. And I just, this is so sad when he runs to her bedside and she's sitting there trying to comfort him about her dying, right? Mm-hmm. Dying is just a part of life, she says. And this is where we get back into the whole question of the movie about fate versus chance, right? Mm -hmm. I happen to believe you make your own destiny. You have to do the best with what God gave you. What's my destiny, Mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're going to get. Mama always had a way of explaining things so I could understand them. I will miss you, Forrest. You know, where Lieutenant Dan believes in fate, Mama believes in making your own way in this world. Mm -hmm. Playing the cards you're dealt and making the best of it. And, I mean, honestly, I kind of prefer Mama's version of things to Lieutenant Dan's. What does she famously tell him, Carrie? Life is like a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're going to get. The most quotable quote of all quotes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not all bad, though, because while he's away taking care of his mama, Lieutenant Dan takes over Bubba Gump Incorporated and invests their money in, I love the way Forrest puts this, a fruit company? Yeah, no, yeah. He invests in Apple! Yeah. In the 70s! Is the implication here that we took Steve Wozniak out of his garage? <laughs> that Bubba Gump... With Bubba Gump shrimp money? <laughs> and so, guys, all the money that they had is now, like, in triplicate. Like, they will never have to worry about money again. And Forrest, God love him... Make sure that Bubba's family gets Bubba's share. Yeah. Because it was always Bubba's idea. And now Bubba's and now Bubba's mom is being waited on by white women. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but even all the money in the world is no substitute for having Jenny in his life, right? Mm-hmm. And so now we're in 1976. Cue the usury! Oh. <laughs> Jenny is resurfacing in Forrest's life again after entering recovery from drugs and abuse. And like you just said, it's about this point that I become real sick of Jenny. Yeah. Because she's doing this revolving door thing in his life where she only comes back into the fold when she's having a rough time. She gets a hit of serotonin off the healthy attention he gives her. And then she's good for three or four years until she hits another low point. Jenny came back and stayed with me. 
Maybe it was because she had nowhere else to go. Or maybe it was because she was so tired because she went to bed and slept and slept like she hadn't slept in years. It was wonderful having her home. And listen, I don't want to be too tough on Jenny. She's had it rough. Yes. But I just, I understand she has problems and I want her to not have those problems. But she's using that man. And he doesn't even know that she's doing it to him. I know. And He I wants ha- to believe all the best in her. I do have to wonder, Ross, if she knew about the money. Because he was on the cover of magazines and shit. I mean, yeah, why did she just show up out of the blue? And no one ever talks about that. Because I think, like you just said, we all want to believe the best in Jenny. Like, remember the Fortune magazine cover he shows the old lady at the bus stop? <laughs> yeah! Like, he was already a celebrity from the Pong. Yeah! Like, I... <laughs> yeah! And so, she's staying at his house in Greenbow with him for a while, and they kind of start playing house. She's, he's like, it's like we was just like a family. This is probably the longest period of stability she's had since she started college, right? Mm-hmm. They go for walks every day, talking all the time. She buys him a brand new pair of what was a brand new brand, Nike tennis shoes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, like, they're watching the 4th of July fireworks together. And when the fireworks are over, Ross... Forest? I know, I also watched the movie. Forest? (laughs) Big Balls Forest proposes to Jenny. I'd make a good husband, Jenny. You would, Forest. But you won't marry me. You don't want to marry me. And then, he's going to cut us deep, Shrek. He's going to cut us real deep right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Why don't you love me, Jenny? I'm not a smart man. But I know what love is. I love this humpy little moment from him. Oh, yeah. Like, he just, he's like, he can't look at her anymore. He just walks out on the front porch and just, like, has to stand there like a mad mom for a second. (laughs) He's feeling the way you and I have felt this entire time. Yeah, and, like, she just just goes upstairs. Oh, and, oh, my God. I know, and then she comes to him in the night. Just like when they were kids, right? When she would sneak up and climb up to his room. Yeah. And she tells him she does love him. And then, I have her quite literally probably the first time in his life. She has sex with him. I think he just lost his virginity. I do too. And I'm really glad that we don't have to watch because it makes me feel weird knowing for sure that she's definitely going to be gone the next morning. Yeah, guys, she leaves. I hate being right sometimes because she takes off at first light and I'm mad all over again. The, the taxi driver, where are you running off to? She's so prickly. She's like, I'm not running. I'm like, yes, you are, Jenny. What has Jenny always done? She always runs. And what is she always telling Forrest to do? Oh, she's always telling him to run. Yeah. Run, Forrest, that, run. That's all she knows how to do, so it's all she knows what to tell him. Oh, you're right. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. I hate all those empty shots of him sitting in his house without her. It's, oh, it hurts me. I, like, every so often, he just tells us how much he thinks about her. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And I just can't, I'm like... I know he's okay, mm-hmm. but this was also making me cry again. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't imagine 
that kind of longing, mm-hmm. like all the time, like you're just your days might not be completely empty, but they're full of the thoughts of the person that is not there. Yeah. You know, like it just it's awful. Oh, it is awful. It's awful. Fuck you. Fuck you, Jennifer. <laughs> and understandably, this causes Forrest some emotional distress and he deals with it. In a very on-brand way. In a very on-brand way. Because Forrest one day just decides he wants to go for a run, and he takes off from his front porch. Pew! Goodbye! Yeah, no, um... <laughs> oh, this guys? Is, this is so much! So I ran to the end of the road, and when I got there, I thought maybe I'd run to the end of town. President Carter, suffering from heat exhaustion, fell into the arms and of... when I got there... I thought, maybe I'd just run across Greenbow County. And I figured since I run this far, maybe I'd just run across the great state of Alabama. And that's what I did. I ran clear across Alabama. Uh, he goes for a run and doesn't stop for three years, two months, and 14 days. He runs across the country like four Times He starts getting national media attention for it. He develops his own little cult following. Like people... Like literally a cult following. People think he's running for a cause, but he's just running because he likes to run. And that's what he keeps telling everybody. I just felt like running. And other people start running with him. When this is quite literally him getting over his shit. (laughs) Yeah! This is quite literally... He is literally self-therapizing. Yeah! Like this is how he is dealing with his once again separation from Jenny. Yeah, and he's I... literally running off his feelings. <laughs> uh, and I just love how like by the end of it he's got like no less than 50 people running with him around the country, right? Yeah. And then one day he just decides to stop. He just stops in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and everyone that's following him, he turns around and everybody's like, "Oh, he's going to say something." <laughs> I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. Now what are we supposed to do? And just like that, my running days was over. So I went home to Alabama. What are we supposed to do now? Also go home? Like, I don't know. (laughs) All those those people who suddenly have nothing to blindly devote themselves to. Do Do you remember in the beginning of the film? When Uh the feather comes to his feet. Yeah. He's in a very nice outfit, but he's wearing the muddiest pair of tennis shoes at the bus stop the whole time. It's the pair of Nikes that Jenny gave him. Mm -hmm. He always wears them. That he ran four times across America in. How the soul's not falling out of them things? Aw. Oh, the soul. How's the soul not falling out of them things? Oh. Look at what you did. Look I accidentally hurt us. We've got to finish this. I know. We're almost done. <laughs> now the timeline has officially caught up with the present, with him sitting at the bus stop, because Jenny saw him running on television while she was waiting tables in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, yeah. It's 1981. Yeah. And she sent him a letter saying that she wanted him to come visit her. And that's what he's doing. That's where he's at. He's literally waiting for a bus to go to Jenny. He tells that old lady the address of where he's supposed to be going. And she's like, you do not need a bus. It is literally blocks that way. And hell, he ran across the country four times. I think he can manage five or six blocks, right? He shows up at Jenny's apartment. She lets him in. Forrest, how you doing? 
Come in, come in. I got your letter. Oh, I was wondering about that. Is this your house? Yeah, it's messy right now. I just got off work. It's nice. I'm loving the princess die cut. Oh, yeah. Because it's 1981. That's when that was happening, you know? And listen, there is something different about her. No, you can just tell that since she's last seen him, she has a grasp on things. She has a steady home. She has a steady job. And she's just got more clarity about things. Mm -hmm. She's more together. She even looks a smidge happier. Yeah. And this is not the young woman who ran from everything. And like in the middle of them reconnecting, her friend drops off her son. Oh, Ross, the first time I saw this movie and she's like apologizing to him for hurting him so much. Yeah. I really thought that she was in the next breath going to ask for money. But then that babysitter opens the door and produces that four-year-old. Little Haley Joel Osment. The way I gasped. Yeah, and like, this is my friend, Mr. Gump. Can you say hello? Hello, oh, Mr. Gump. Gump. <laughs> he's so cute. He's so cute. And then like, he goes off to watch television and then he's like, you're a mama, Jenny. I'm a mama. His name's Forrest. Like me. I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too. You're his daddy, Forrest. The mix of horror and... Interest. Interest. Yeah. In his eyes, he's tearing up. The way it all slowly gives way to wonder. It's a, it's a big moment in the film. And... Because th- he's scared to death that little Forrest Gump Jr., has the same IQ that he does. It breaks my heart when Tom Hanks is getting all choked up and asking her if he's slow like he is. But is is he smart? He's very smart. He's one of the smartest in his class. Hey, go talk to him. What are you watching? Bert and Ernie. <laughs> and the shot of them sitting side by side watching TV. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> And so the pair of them take Lil Forrest to the park. And this is where Jenny breaks the terrible, awful news to him. She doesn't know just how terrible, awful it is yet. But <gasps> we do. Basically, she's like, yeah, I have this virus. I'm sick. And the doctor don't know what it is. What we will figure out is that it is definitely HIV. Yeah. And which will translate into AIDS because this is the beginning of the epidemic. You could come home with me. Jenny, you and Little Forest could come stay at my house in Greenbow. I'll take care of you if you're sick. Would you marry me, Forrest? And Forrest promises to take care of her, and she asks him to marry her. Oh, Ross, Ross is done. You know what? I'm glad it happens at all, (laughs) even if it is for less than a year. Uh Uh-huh. Because they do. They do get married. They get married at this darling little ceremony at his house in Greenbow, and... Many people are in attendance, but most surprising of all, perhaps, is 
Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan appears with this woman, and he is walking. Yeah, he's got titanium prosthetics. I love that for him. I wish we had all been there to invest in the fruit company. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, best prosthesis money can buy, and he's got a fiance, Susan. And Vietnamese woman. And like the way Jenny kisses him is like, it's nice to meet you, finally. It is really nice to see both of them, Mm -hmm. Lieutenant Dan and Forrest, so happy there near the end of this movie. And Forrest and Jenny and Lil Forrest go on living in his house in Greenbow. Forrest takes care of her as she deteriorates for the better part of a year, which thankfully they don't put us through that long agonizing montage, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, she does finally die about a year after they get married. And he buries her. Ross, I'm not going to cry. I know. He buries her under the willow tree. Their favorite tree, where they used to play together on his property. Peas and carrots. And he's... I'm not crying. You are. (laughs) He's standing by her grave, telling her about how little Forrest is doing so well. And Forrest is teaching him to fish and play ping pong. And he's taking real good care of him. And when he starts crying, I start crying. Every night we read a book. She's so smart, Jenny. You'd be so proud of him. I am. He wrote you a a letter. And he says, I can't read it. I'm not supposed to, so I just leave it here for you. Remember when she asked him, do you ever dream about what you're going to be? Who you're going to be? Yeah. And that translates into the course of your life. The reality of the course of your life versus what your dreams are. Yeah. Because they don't always go hand in hand, do they? No. Not for a lot of people. And this, it, I just, it's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite little piece of writing in the movie. It is really good because it's all bringing it back together for us, right? Chance versus fate. I don't know if Mama was right or if, it, if it's Lieutenant Dan. I don't know if we... Each have a destiny, or if we're all just floating around accidental like on a breeze. But I, I think maybe it's both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. And something I've never noticed about this scene that broke me as it was ending is that as he's walking away from the grave, a flock of birds descends into that tree over her grave. Oh, you did not just do that. You did not just put that together. I guess God finally turned Jenny into a bird. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Bob! Bob! Uh, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Let's let's pep ourselves up here right before the end. Jesus tits. This movie ends in the most darling way. Oh, oh, <laughs> we're gonna put. We're gonna put. I almost said baby Forrest. We're gonna put tiny Forrest Gump Jr. on the bus to go to school. Yeah, and he's getting ready to get on the bus, and like Forrest stops him right before he gets on the bus, and he goes, "I want to tell you I love you." I love you too, Daddy. I'll be right here when you get back. 
You understand this is the bus to the school now, don't you? Of course, and you and Dorothy here is nine force company. And the bus driver is the same lady, Dorothy Harris. Don't you know that this is the bus to school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. And you're Dorothy Harris, and I'm Forrest Gump. Do you think she remembers? Probably. Do you think she remembers that strange kid with leg braces on his legs who she picked up all those years ago? I mean, if she's driving the same route, like, there's no <laughs> way she doesn't know, right? Like... And he goes off to school, and they bring the feather shot back for some nice book ending. Because at the beginning of the movie, when the feather landed at his feet... He picked it up, and he put it in his suitcase inside his copy of Curious George, which is his favorite book. And now Little Forrest is taking it to school. And it fell out. And now it's at his feet again, and the wind is kicking up. I get it, it's some nice book ending. Yeah. But I just, I don't know that it was necessary to have it at the beginning and the end, because I'm just like, we get it! It's about fate versus chance. Mm -hmm. Stop hitting us over the head and with the feather. And we're all just blowing in the wind, and life is a box of chocolates, and we never know what we're going to get. <laughs> and stupid is as stupid does, and mama said a lot of things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and we don't have any, we don't always have legs to stand on, and... Hey! Yeah, like... <laughs> That. And sometimes we just run away from our problems. And oh, yeah. It's all about life. <laughs> it's about life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, life uh, uh, finds, finds a way. <laughs> Which had just come out the year before this. <laughs> Have we not done Jurassic Park Have yet? we not done Jurassic Park? <laughs> Who are you today? Have we not done Jurassic Park? I know. Done Jurassic Park. <laughs> all right, guys. That was a lot. That was a lot. It was a lot. But thank you for being here. Yeah. This concludes potpourri coverage, everybody. <laughs> it does. Uh, this is a very special movie to a lot of people. And I and, and I really do understand why. You know, as a kid, you know, I haven't seen this movie in quite some time. Viewing it with my 2020 vision, I get the appreciation now. But like, you know, as a kid, I always just thought it was just, you know, this fun thing about this funny sounding guy who was around for a lot of important shit. It does defy a lot of narrative constructs that we're used to at that point in filmmaking, right? Mm. We're used to everything having a cause and effect, whereas this completely defies that structure. You have event A happen, and then because of event A, event B happens, mm -hmm. and then C as a result of B, and so on and so forth. This is literally a and then... This happened, and then yeah, yeah. this happened. True, very true. It's not necessarily the greatest premise or structure for a story, but we love it. Yeah, and it's worth $623 million. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and counting, I guess. Like, <laughs> and counting. I mean, people still buy this. Guys, this ends our Pokery coverage. Thank you for sticking around with us this May. Oh my goodness, we are going to be moving into some severely queer content, though. <laughs> oh no. Brace yourselves. Everyone got your diapers on? Because <laughs> get ready to shit your pants because Pride Month is coming up. Oh man. We are taking a break next week, guys. No coverage next week for Memorial Day. 
Um, but we will be coming back to you on June 5th. Yeah, June 5th, Monday, <laughs> June 5th, with our uh, first coverage for Pride Month. And guys, we're, we're doing some we're doing some out-of-the-box choices this month, uh, this upcoming month. So just bear with us. Yeah, no, this next one is not out of the box, but it is long overdue. And... Ross is already sighing I about it. I don't want to talk about it, but it does bear discussion. It does. Next week, guys, we will be covering the 2005 romance movie, Brokeback Mountain. Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, baby. I only like one of them. <laughs> and you know which one it is. We, we don't have to talk about that. I, we will, but I just, <laughs> we don't have to talk about it right now. I just kicked, like, I just Heath Ledger, Carrie Mulligan, and Anne Hathaway. That's all I care about. <laughs> Until then, guys, please go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can route the show at Kickin' and Streamin' Podcast at gmail.com. That is with an A not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Write, review, retweet. Write, review, retweet. We want everyone to come and watch the gay stuff. <laughs> more quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mama. mama.